Welcome to Based in Reality. This is a political podcast. My name is Patrick. And I'm Lauren. And we're here to talk about everything from uh, culture to the political sphere, traditionalism, the American way, and maybe even religion. Uh, in general, both of us, you know, we're just kind of tired of the state of the world. We're kind of really just sick of it. And so we both moved from blue states to a red state, found each other, realized we just had similar political journeys. Lauren, so how did you get inspired to do this? I think I was really tired of just mm. sitting around and bitching and moaning on mm. Instagram and posting a thousand stories, getting completely shadow banned f to the point where friends can't even tag me in normal comments or posts. I got fired from a job for standing my ground on my beliefs. And I think that triggered me to want to actually be more outspoken as opposed to just sitting on the sidelines and letting things happen and letting people completely trample over you. I think it's important to stand up for what you believe in. Far too long people just let things happen. Oh, I don't want to get involved. Mm. Let people live as long as it's not bothering me. It's to the point where it's bothering me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just tired of letting it happen. I think there's a lot of people out there who kind of feel that same way. They feel that they're neutered. They feel like they can't go out and speak their mind. But most importantly, even if they, you know, did speak their mind, it's not, there's, there's one thing about canceling, uh, you know, like that a lot of conservatives complain about. But it's another thing to say things where you feel like in your social circles that wouldn't have been accepted to say, but you feel strong conviction to do so. And hence why this political podcast is so important to us, because we both kind of want to say things that in normal conservative uh, political spheres, it, it might be either frowned upon or it might be taboo to talk about. One of the important reasons why we're both doing this is the state of the country. State of the country is a mess. I don't know it's if you've nightmare. noticed. I don't know if you've noticed. Absolutely. Especially the last two years. Uh, there's been a lot of political reawakenings. Uh, there's been a lot of people who have looked at their current political leaders or maybe even, you know, reexamined their own political beliefs and they're like, you know what, this is not this is not working. This is not very effective. It's uh, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs. Uh, that is that is an, a primary reason why a lot of people out there are getting inspired to talk. And also, Lauren, I wanted to ask you too. America first, something we both connected on. What does that mean to you? Why is it important? And um, how is it important in terms of the state of conservatism? I mean, I think it's the only way out of this mess. Hmm. I don't know any other political platform that cares so much about traditional American beliefs and values. And I mean, do we need to send billions of dollars to other countries? What country sends money to us? Do any of them? I don't think they do. I also don't know much about it, but I'm going to try to educate myself on it. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't, I just don't, I think a lot of our policies and a lot of, I mean, even to, just down to the culture, it's completely degenerate. Hmm. It needs to be cleaned up a bit. And I think that that political movement kind of could spread to all different parts, politically, religiously, culturally, could kind of infect everything in a good way mm -hmm. and bring us back to something that would actually have some good moral values. And um, That's right. America First, America First kind of addresses the gaps in between what conservatism really should be. It, it's not afraid of speaking up about uh, the state of uh, the family unit, immigration policy, uh, the foundation of our country, especially through uh, its foundation through Christianity. It's not afraid to speak out, as you said before, about why in the world we're helping these nations and what we get out of it, our state and geopolitics. And so America first, when we found it, when we talked about it, you know, we listened to Nick, Nick, Nick said a lot of things that, you know, when you hear somebody say it, you're like, man, I wish I could have articulated it in that way. And when you're going through your political journey, 
when someone says that, you're like, oh my goodness, you latch onto it and you're like, man, I feel like I'm not the only one. And there's a reason I think Nick in particular is one of those individuals. He does resonate with a lot of people who really do want to say, uh, you know, policies that are very important to the average America, American, excuse me. And, and because of that, that resonation is in, is in contrast towards the establishment conservatism or even not necessarily just the left, but something that's a deeper object, excuse me, a deeper wall to, uh, to, the, to the average American person and what's important to them. The other reason that, that I think podcasts are, are such an important way to, to have political discourse on things Everyone is, is just tired of the news media. They turn on even Fox News, which we would consider traditional. With Caitlyn Jenner now? Yeah, right. Caitlyn Jenner is now. Big old Bruce. Yeah, right. Bruce, Bruce is now uh, a political commentator on Fox News. And if that's a microcosm of where the conservative movement is, or having you know Lady MAGA at, at CPAC or something like that, uh, it's, it's really kind of a joke. Uh, it, it is a it's a it's a joke on uh, you know where conservatism has gone, and it seems like the Overton move uh, window is moving a little bit too fast, and somebody needs to slow it down. And it seems like our, our the average conservative is not too concerned with doing so. Uh, so podcasts are taking over the media. It's all it's also just a good spot to to vent to. You know, it's it's one of the few mediums that you can just. You know, speak your mind and vent and, you know, a lot of the stuff that you talk about, you can't just like have coffee with somebody, you know, like just your average Joe and just start talking about all this stuff. They get very apprehensive or even other uh, mainstream conservative groups or political parties uh, when you when you try to talk a lot about all that stuff. So that, that kind of leads me into a, a, a warning about this podcast. It's a uh, basically this podcast I would, I would keep an open mind if you're used to uh, turning on Fox News or you're used to turning on CNN or wherever you might be uh, politically because there's we're going to go over some information and some takes that you're not used to seeing. A little hot and spicy takes. A little hot and spicy. Maybe very spicy. It can be a little overwhelming and it can be um, uh, a little uh, you know too much at times. But, you know, I would just... Also take what we say with a with a with a, a grain of salt because of course we're not experts on everything, um, but we we have the opinions that we do and we're proud to say them and we really want to say them. What and we, we're learning too. I mean, sorry to cut you off, no. but like, I mean, I don't know so much about you, but I'm definitely learning as I'm going here. Like, I am by no means an expert. I didn't give a shit about politics until <laughs> a couple years ago, until the George Floyd riot, riots and right. all that hot mess. Summer of love happened. I just, I didn't care. And now I do care immensely. It is incredibly important. And I get a little frustrated when people are like, oh, I just, I just, I'm not political. I just don't pay attention to politics. It's really not that important to me. I'm like, oh, so like your way of living and your civilization and your children's future is not that important to you? Mm -hmm. Are you delusional? What is wrong with you? I get wanting to put your head in the sand and not like pay attention to what's going on because it's so dark and depressing, but there is a point at which you need to start knowing what's going on and pay attention to it and truly understand the agenda that's behind everything because it's truly controlling everything. And it is quite literally leading us into an absolute nightmare of a place to live if this continues at this rate and the severity of what is happening. I mean, I'm not going to get into it right now, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's truly a nightmare. <laughs> That's absolutely true. There seems to be no sign of pushback. The slippery slope that they made fun of us for, all of those soccer moms in the 90s warning us about how violent Mortal Kombat was and how it's going to lead to a decay of society. Um, maybe we should have listened to them a little bit. They might have been right. Mom, I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. You're right about the, uh, the state, the degeneracy of that. So that leads me into, you mentioned the, the Floyd riots and that, that makes me think about my own political journey. And so what we're going to do in this next segment is we're kind of going to go over our, 
our evolution of, of where we are on, on major issues, uh, certain events that maybe changed our mind or caused us to look for information elsewhere where we normally wouldn't have looked for it or relied on it. I'll talk about my own political journey first. Back in the day when I was in high school, I worked with, um, you know, some some clubs I was I was a part of, and I sat with people who, um, you know, agreed with me generally on a neoconservative lens. But also, I sat at lunch with lots of people who uh, disagreed with me too. Do you? Sorry to pause. Do mm-hmm. you want to kind of explain what neoconservatism is? Right. I don't even know if I said that right. Yeah, you're right. Um, because I was ignorant to what it is until recently Mm -hmm. i just like smiled and nodded whenever someone said that i was like yeah totally i get that uh of course maybe explain that real quick so neoconservative is a uh, it's a conservative movement that really sprung after the paleoconservatives and neo meaning new and then conservative you you have somebody who basically takes a stance of uh on 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 social issues uh you you had a I don't know, kind of like a more of a libertarian bent, you could say, to it. Uh, and and you're also very fiscally conservative. So except when it comes to the military budget, of course. Uh, uh, neoconservatives, uh, especially during the George Bush era, were much more adamant about America's involvement in the, in the war as a more of a proactive, active player. Yeah, you we're know, the world police. You know, bombing brown kids, you know, all that good, all that good <laughs> shit. So I was more of a neoconservative. I remember arguing for the Iraq war. I would argue the points. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> um, and and, and the, the talking points with that in particular uh, were really cringe when you look back at it. I remember arguing for the, the Iraq war and said that we're, gonna, we're going to you know, spread democracy. And then the left, uh, you know, like the left would argue like, well, you just want oil. And it turns out both of those opinions were wrong. But that is where I was in high school. I would argue, uh, I, I wasn't even uh, necessarily strong anti-gay marriage. I was more of the libertarian approach of just, you know, have the government out of marriage. Uh, you know, I was very, uh, was very high on uh, making sure that uh, tax policy was very conducive for growth, which is still important. And there's lots of, uh, and there's a lot of arguments about that, of course. But... Overall, it was kind of like a loop, you could say lukewarm conservative, not very strong on issues. After, after high school, went to college, uh, got more involved in the political sphere, um, and then I started to uh, actually work in the political sphere for a little while. Uh, that, during that time, I was, I, was, I was working towards or wor- working for someone who would uh, probably to describe themselves more of as, an, as a neoconservative or, or you could say Republican establishment types. Then after that, uh, there, was a, there was a time in my life, and there's definitely something, something to this because I've heard this before. There's that time where you were a conservative and then there's like that pipeline to libertarianism and then I am where I am now after that. And I don't know if there's something to that, but you I was survived. definitely more. And then I survived. <laughs> then I realized that like that's kind of bullshit, and it's not, uh, it's not accomplishing much of anything. But I mean, that's at least wh- you're not a deranged liberal now. Well, it could have been. It could have been. It could have been left. real bad. I could have been. I could have uh, whiplashed over to um, <laughs> to that part too. So I had more of a libertarian bent, I would say, after that. And then. You know, Donald Trump got elected. I was a little bit apprehensive with Trump at first. I wasn't a hundred percent on board. I really kind of wanted my guy Ted Cruz to come in uh, because I, I thought he was great on policy. He was a great debater, uh, but you know, he still debate had class champion. Yeah, ab- absolutely, he was debate champion. He kills it in all those hearings. Right, it's hilarious. It was inspiring. It was cool, and I thought that was a good type of fighter. You know, it was somebody who had that. You know, a little bit of spunk. And then Trump came on the stage. And yeah, Trump kind of turned me off a little bit because it just wasn't very professional. And it wasn't, um, you know, it, it, you, he's got a potty He's mouth. not a politician. He doesn't know how to talk with people. He doesn't know how to connect with people. This guy's deranged. How in the world could he have policies that would, you know, 
impact people if you can't even listen to people, right? If you can't even listen to the people. And it turns out Trump was one of those guys that it was, uh, it was field of dreams. It was like, if you build it, they will come. And boy, did they organize around him when he started to say the truth, when he, when he started to uh, connect with the American people in a way that they haven't heard before in a long time. He spoke to average middle, middle America. He spoke to, you know, the, the mom and pop shops who are, who are those, those middle class people in those small towns who saw their factories just get, um, you know, shipped off over to China. And, and that, was, that was a really cool, beautiful thing to see that happen in a way uh, that we haven't heard in a long time. It's not like Trump was completely radical in, in regards to his, his policies even 15 years prior to what he was saying. And the fact that he cared a lot about illegal immigration and stopping that and stopping that in a way that that makes it uh, a little bit more plausible and uh, and 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 more in your face instead of, you know, kind of Obama's catch and release policy and making it seem like you're doing something when you're really not, which was inspiring. Trump got elected. I started to defend him more the more I, I heard him and the more he pushed back, the more he insulted journalists. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was based. Then the Floyd riots happen, and the Floyd riots were such a key moment in my political development because I just saw everyone lose their minds. I saw tons of my friends put that black square <laughs> on their Facebook, and people who I didn't, I didn't really uh, you know, think that would have done that started to do that. Now I was in I was on an island a little bit because I was part of you know some online forums that had access to information about Floyd had access to his um, had access to his medical uh, records not his medical records actually like it was more his, his uh yeah more death more so his uh you know his his death what's evaluation what's it called you know what I'm talking about um, and. And, you know, he had triple the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. I remember arguing on conservative subreddit, Reddit of all places. Not just places. one lethal dose. Triple. Not just two. Three lethal doses. And more than. And he, had, he just had such a cornucopia of shit in his system. He had heart <laughs> problems. All this other stuff. Now, I had access to that, and I looked through it. Not only that, but I saw the full video way before a lot of other people didn't see the full video because all, all they had to see was what? It was like a minute and a half or something like that or a couple of minutes. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was being it's passed not important. around. Exactly. It was, it was off of somebody's phone and the angle that they were doing it and the legal, the legal move they were using to apprehend him, the fact that they, um, you know, they, brought, they brought him in the car and he asked that to be put on the ground and he said he couldn't, he couldn't breathe even when he got in the car. So I was arguing all of these things with, you could say, conservatives, and they they just got all emotional. They just they 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 were they they completely drank the Kool Aid. They they took every single thing that the mainstream media said, and you know it really made me question uh, people's, I guess, ability to process information that's extremely uncomfortable. If, if the media's power of astroturfing on that level is that strong, what else could they do? What else could they convince people of? And my theories were, were right. The more I thought about uh, every single time the, the media did something like that, particularly with COVID, that people would just fall in line with it without, without a second thought. And it took a long time for people to be like, hey, Wait a wait a second. Maybe this isn't entirely true, or maybe they weren't entirely telling the truth. And 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 this is years later, after you can clearly see a pattern of, you know, fudging the truth, and 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 basically just skirting around the things that are are not, or being the arbiter of truth, declaring themselves as the arbiter of truth, no matter how um, how much evidence that you provide to the contrary. This pissed me off. This pissed me off a lot, and I was looking for answers. I found some answers. I ran into a lot of like-minded people who were also looking for answers. And uh, you could say that is the time that I got red-pilled. And we'll go over what that phrase means later. Uh, but that was the time that I took a lot of 
quote unquote hard truths. Some of them, it took longer than others. And I, I remember arguing and pushing back on them, but the more and more evidence that I saw and it started to pile up, then you go with, you come into a kind of despair, you know, kind of area where you're like, Oh, this is, this is so overwhelming. I can't handle all of this. I just, you know, like, what are we supposed to do? There's no fighting back, all of this other stuff. It's like, how does um, nobody else see what's going on? Right, right. How, how could, how could, how could everyone, you know, not see how this is happening, uh, ha- happening to our country and why there may be forces that people are normally not used to hearing about, uh, con- either controlling things by, by, uh, behind the scenes or, or they're they're actively involved and just straight up lying to you. Certain questions like, "Hey, uh, if they're lying to you now, right in front of your face, what in the world could they be lying to you?" Can about you imagine in what the history past? is actually like? I mean, if now we have social media where you're able to share information instantly, you're able to learn about things that happened all the way across the world. 10, 15, 20 years ago, that is not the case. Right. People had to just trust what the government and media news outlets were saying. And now we get like firsthand accounts, like what did Biden bomb Syria or whatever? Mm -hmm. No, it was in Iraq or something when we pulled out and then we ended up bombing some like terror, quote unquote terrorists, but it ended up being a family. Right. We wouldn't have known that unless people there are, those are the people who told us the reality of what happened. The White House stuck with it. They were like, no, they were terrorists. Right. It's like, no, that was a family and kids. And you realize, too, that they, they basically have to stick with it because the average person really can't handle or even fathom the fact that they would blatantly lie about that. You yeah, know, and you can't go run. to Google and search for the answer because Google is in is it corroboration. I don't know. Collaboration. Collaboration yeah. with the government <laughs> and every other big guy that's in control in control and right. they're all working together to completely shift the narrative and you'll never be able to figure out what the truth is unless you know what external sources to go and search through mm-hmm. or who to talk to what questions to actually ask that's right that's yeah you you, you wouldn't even even cross your mind to do that so yeah a lot of it was really overwhelming a lot of that information was just like Wow, now what do I do with this? And I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up a little bit because a lot of people either shut down or they just disengage from the political sphere or they just don't want to um, you know, talk to people about a lot of this stuff, which will, of course, we'll, we'll get into you know, with, with more subsequent episodes. But Yeah, I'd love to talk about like some conspiracies and oh yeah we'll definitely you know like the moon landing and (laughs) and all that fun stuff there's a ton of fun things that we we're going to be talking about but there's there's also a response to that that takes courage and it takes hope to be able to deal with it and how in the world world do you navigate through that when it feels like it's overwhelming and that's where america first comes in america first was one of those organizations that had hope you had a bunch of motivated young guys primarily who are experiencing a lot of these same things and seeing a lot of the things that we're seeing and they want to change the country and they want to do it boldly unapologetically take a little bit of Trump's swagger and 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 completely take over the country take over the Republican party the GOP and make it their own and this is what we really need is you really, really need a conservative revival and that is the mo- the most plausible way to do that right now is through America First movement and through what Nick wants to do, Nick Fuentes. So that was my political journey. Uh, it was it was kind of a, a rocky uh, roller coaster, but I'm glad that I have the perspective that I have now and being able to look back because once you start to accept a lot, some of these things that, that we'll talk about, there's no going back. You either do something with that information or you don't. There's no... Uh, there's no just throwing it away, you know. There's uh, there's no just ignoring it. Yeah, there's either nothing that'll on, make me unsee what I've not. seen. That's right. I'm not going to pretend I don't know things that I know. So that was my political journey. So what is your political journey like, Lauren, through the last, you know, I don't know, decade or so? Sure. Um, I was raised in a conservative household. 
we didn't talk about politics a ton, um, but I definitely knew my parents' perspective on things. Fox News was on all the time. Tucker on every night at 8 o'clock. Um, and then I, I didn't re- I didn't care about politics, as I said earlier. I didn't care about politics for a long time. I mean, to the point where I didn't even discuss it with my friends. It never crossed my mind, which later led me to realize that all of my friends were liberals, um, which was kind of unfortunate to like realize that none of your friends are like minded like you really thought they were. Right. Um, I go through high school not caring about politics, get into college, and I start questioning certain people, particularly my art history teachers, and maybe I was more red pilled than I thought I was at the time or even knew. Um, because they just hated me. I would ask them all sorts of questions like, how do you know that that's what they painted that for? Why is, why do you think that this is the most beautiful artwork? Who's to say that, like, you, you don't, are, you're not the arbiter of truth. Um, and as certain advocate groups, like there were abortion, um, like pro-abortion people that would come to our campus and I just thought it was like nuts. I was like, these people are insane. And I, I just thought like everyone just kind of thought like me, like nobody really cared. Nobody was really that interested in it. It was just more adults, quote unquote adults that were interested in it. People that paid attention to the news. Um, and I definitely let my friends influence my behavior. I was incredibly influenced by all of my liberal friends. I mean, you know, I have a ton of, I mean, not a ton, but I have quite a few tattoos. Oh, yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen some uh, uh, some of your interesting tattoos from your uh, pagan days. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm and just I don't joking. necessarily regret them. I mean, would I do them again? Probably not. But I don't regret them, and I don't hate them when I look at them. I mean, I think that would be kind of a nightmare to be living in a body that you hate looking at. Um, to all you fat people out there that feel that way, maybe just work on it and change it. Okay, you can do something about that. Tattoos are kind of permanent. Um, and so I let a lot of my friends influence a lot of my behaviors. And to my parents, I am so sorry that I was such a nightmare to deal with. Uh, I, I truly am sorry. Um, when I ended up getting out of college, I mean, it only took me uh, six years, ex- extra extra bonus rounds. Um, you got to make sure it's thorough, right? <laughs> yeah, I got to check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Get all the stupid, pointless gen eds. College mm. is such a waste of time. That's right. My parents nearly shot themselves when I told them that all of my graphic design classes were taught from just us watching YouTube tutorials. They were, they were just like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. Um, so I get out of college. A couple years go by. I'm like living in a house with a bunch of people, all liberals. I am very much the... Uh, fish out of water maybe that's the proper Um, term yeah and it was just really interesting listening to them discuss why their views are correct and nobody else's could possibly be correct and that I'm a bigot for thinking the way that I think so I just kind of kept my mouth shut I mean I love Trump at the time and but I might have loved him but I wasn't super invested in the policies I didn't really care enough I just knew that he was what we needed I guess I didn't really know why, because clearly I wasn't that into politics at the time. Um, then 2020 rolls around. 2020 is when George Floyd happened, right? Yeah. Sorry, so much happened in that year. I like forget what happened. <laughs> Enough for like 10 years happened in 2020. Excuse me, mostly peaceful protests. Mostly, oh, they were mostly entirely peaceful. peaceful. Yeah, mostly peaceful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely fell into the trap like I was one of those conservatives that I'm I'm gonna say this right now and I don't even want to look at your face but I may or may not have posted (laughs) a black square for a like five minutes I swear it was like five minutes I'm leaving nope it. it was like five minutes and then I'm watching the video and I'm just like wait what and I deleted it and then I see everybody else is posting. It. I was like, oh, no, this is this is not good. That same summer, I do vividly remember having a conversation. I believe maybe this was 
probably a couple weeks after the George Floyd stuff happened, the riots were still going on. Obviously, they went on almost all year long. Um, having a conversation, my one of my family members was saying that one of her friends um, had gotten a call from a school that she was going to be going to as a freshman in the fall. And the school said, hey, we're not going to be accepting you anymore. Come to find out that it's because some kid at her high school three years prior had recorded a video of her on Snapchat singing along to a song that had the N-word in it. And she happened to say that, and two other girls, I think, in the video maybe had said it in the song. This person had screen recorded it three years ago. And then that summer had felt, oh, this person's about to go to their their dream school? Cool. I'm going to send this video to this school and get them removed from admission. Which is like, what a psychopath who records something like that and then waits for three years. Pathetic. Lunatic. Absolute, like, self-loathing lunatic. Mm -hmm. And I was the complete retard who was just like, well, I mean, everyone, everyone knows you shouldn't be saying that. I cannot believe, like, it makes me want to gouge my eyes out. I cannot even believe that I had said that. Mm -hmm. And my entire family, if they're listening right now, they remember this conversation because I sounded like an absolute idiot. Right. And they should have just punched me, honestly. Like, I can't, now that I am the way that I am, I cannot believe that that ever came out of my mouth. It makes me sick. Did you, did you feel as if it was more of a kind of social shaming, like, like a high off of the social shaming? No, I was totally not. Other women were doing it and, and, or like other people were doing it. Like the reason why I said what I said? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely believed that it was like a long held belief. Hmm. I think it also stemmed from I had never heard anyone else saying it other than black people because apparently they're the only ones allowed to say it, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because who started it? Right. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but really, it was just the most retarded thing that is probably ever. Actually, I'm sure I've said a lot worse, but it was just one of the dumbest things that I've ever said. And I don't know why my family didn't just like punch me in the mouth. My entire family was just looking at me like, what? And now I'm sure they're just like, you were a complete 180 from where you were just two years ago, which is so nice because I'm such a happier person. Let me tell you, like right. I have never been so happy. The truth so will set you free. Oh, does it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So after those conversations, I remember being friends with somebody on Facebook that I was kind of acquaintances with in college, but never really hung out with. But he would post some things on Facebook that I were a bit more edgy. Definitely more along the America First lines. Definitely posting some things from Nick Fuentes, who I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And we started converse, conversing a little bit about that. And then he sent me um, like a link to Telegram. And he was like, uh, you can talk to me on there because I'm going to get off Facebook because I've been banned too many times. I just, I just don't want to be on here anymore. Hell yeah. And he didn't feel comfortable just texting normally about it. He wanted to be completely private on Telegram. So, so that's how I learned about telegram and he started introducing me to a bunch of different groups on there and got me in this one chat group with a few other guys who definitely had some more radical beliefs than something I had ever considered definitely started taking a lot of red pills and I think it was so fast and so much at one time that it got me down the black pill route real quick mm-hmm. I started how getting, quick was that like how many months like uh, when you just started to do that I would say in a span of three months Wow. I mean I was just like learning truths about World War two mm-hmm. and yeah a lot of things that I had never even fathomed to consider before like it was just completely out of the realm of reality it's like no way would they ever lie to us about this stuff that's unreal like who would do that that's insane right and so he introduced me to a lot of those ideas and i very much thank him for that um i will say though i mean like Maybe it was back in 20, 20, 2013 or 2012 when I was dating um, one of my exes. He introduced me to the Zeitgeist documentary on YouTube. It goes way back. Which. <laughs> I remember I saw that in college. 
which I, I mean, I watched it a couple times and it was still hard for me to grasp, but that was definitely my first red pill was the whole nine 11 stuff. Mm-hmm. And I still, I like, I still don't even really know what's black and white on that. It's mm-hmm. a lot of like confusion. Um, but I know for a fact it is not what the government, <laughs> what reality like is trying to tell us that it is. Um, so I've definitely been red pilled on a lot and it put me into a bit of a black pill spin for a while. Um, and then in 2021, um, working from home, just like everybody else for the past year and a half. And my job wants to bring us back into the office. And at this point I am very much like anti-establishment very much in an America first without even really knowing about America first, very much in that mindset and like wanting to do and and be everything that those people are like, I am a hundred percent with them. And so I am very much interested in standing my ground because I am just getting fed up. I mean, we are getting emails from our CEO about stop Asian hate. And I'm just like, who is doing all the Asian hate. Maybe let's look at those videos that keep circulating instead of acting like it's just white people that are attacking them. I've never seen a video of a white person attacking an Asian. I'm not saying it's not out there, but have I seen them at the mass scale that I've seen the other ones? No. And that, and I think there was another email that they sent out about George Floyd and police, uh, brutality and all of this just like nut job mm-hmm. like I just don't even understand who is in charge here and so they want us to all come back into the office and they said everyone that's un, un, unjabbed we're going to be careful about what words we say here unpoked yeah unpoked so whoever's unpoked has to wear a face diaper but if you are poked then you don't have to wear a face diaper and if and if you have like half a brain, hopefully you can read between the lines there. And I sent in a letter to my HR and I said, here's my medical exemption from my neurologist. And they said, okay, great. Just don't tell anybody about it. I was like, okay, cool. That seems a little ridiculous to keep a secret from people, but sure. So we come back in two weeks go by some other variant comes up. And so they're like, everyone, regardless of your poke status has to wear a face diaper. And I'm like, um, no, here's my paperwork again. I am exempt from this. Correct. And they said, well, we're going to have to review this and fill out more official paperwork with the ADA. I had no problem doing that. Paid another $200. So at this point I'm already $400 in the, in the hole paid another $200 to have my neurologist fill out the paperwork, spent time on the phone with them. And then my boss or my HR department calls me about a week and a half after they had, by the way, they had sent me home to work again from home for another week and a half after we had just been remote for a year and eight months. So they sent me home for a week and a half. And then on that Tuesday, they call me. And they say, well, you can either wear a face shield or we don't really have another option. And I'm like, look, I'm not wearing a face shield. I don't know in what world that is any better than a face diaper. Arguably, it's 10 times worse because it's literally just a piece of paper that's like sitting six inches from your face. Like, what's that going to do? You guys are absolutely delusional if you think that that's like, that doesn't do anything. It's even more like laughable. And so I argued with them for about, 45 minutes on the phone there were two people on the phone talking to me and it was just a complete hot mess nightmare and then they told me that I was fired right there no severance package no two weeks pay no nothing no notice whatsoever complete nightmare and I mean I didn't it wasn't a nightmare at the time in the sense that like I was like upset about it I was kind of happy honestly to be let go from a job that, I mean, that hates, they hated that hates me. your decisions. They, yeah. they hated or your personal medical decisions. I would never want to work for a company that doesn't value me and my decisions and wants me to make the best decisions for myself. They don't know me. They're not my doctor. They can't make those decisions for me. It's unreal that we give these people this power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got fired and it was a blessing in disguise my mom ended up finding out about it after I 
cried about it and then called her and she goes okay well you need to bring the dog over to us and then you need to go move somewhere else and find a job and let us know how it goes so I packed up everything and moved found a job met you started learning more about America first mm-hmm. and then we and then we attended one of the most white pilling hopeful events I think I've ever been to. And that was the America First Political Action Conference. Went to AFPAC three, both of us. It was such like a it was like a boys club, but I was so happy to be there. Mm-hmm. There it was maybe like one girl to ten guys there, but it was it was the most fun, empowering, like hopeful I've never felt more white-pilled in my life. Nothing that I've ever read has given me more hope than being there. I wish I could do that weekly. It was so much right. fun. I felt the same way because uh, I've been to other, uh, you know, political action conferences before. Uh, you know, I've been, I went to, to CPAC one year. I, I've been to lots of other political rallies before. In no way, shape, or form do any of those come close to the energy and the conviction that, those young men had they want to change stuff you can tell that they they're out there not to be somebody they're there to do something and they're they want to support people to actually do stuff i was inspired when i went to afpac three because whenever whenever somebody said something that um, everyone was enthusiastic about it wasn't just kind of you know you know so you have CPAC where people were like sitting down and like give a little golf clap or just you know occasionally every every other person maybe like stands up or gives a little like woohoo or yell it was like everybody standing up and chanting in Full unison on standing ovations banging on the tables and That's mind right. you we had just eaten dinner so we still had our dinner plates on the table glasses of wine and whatever people were drinking on the table banging on the table and everything's just clanging, and it was it was so good. It was awesome. I yeah, it, I I wish that we saw that same energy from the GOP. I really wish that any political uh, conference or meeting had an ounce of that. That's what they have. That's what America First has. Is they have that hope, they have that fire, and they have a group of individuals who actually, you know, they're not afraid of speaking their mind, even if it might be unpopular. They just kind of, you know, let, let's say in, you have the same thing in the front of the, you know, in front of the GOP meetings or, or some sort of other conservative action uh, organization. They kowtow and they, they kind of prostrate themselves in front of the media to make sure that they don't say the wrong thing. These guys are unapologetic. They don't care at all about like how they say America first, but not America alone or whatever they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're it's saying. Like, oh no, we need help from other countries. Uh the fuck we do. Yeah, right. Or or just saying, you know, just going out and and screaming, you know, like or, or just uh, chanting, you know, Christ is King, and and, so and, cha- and and chanting, you know, chanting these things that you would never hear at a a normal conservative. Um, you know, a conservative rally or even a Trump rally, not even close. So AFPAC, definitely white pilling. And that that basically solidified my support for America First. America First is one of those. It's one of those things that you can tell that they're a little afraid of. They're really afraid of it. They do not want that to catch fire. The fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up, that Paul Gosar has spoken there before. And they try to get everyone that comes to disavow anyone that is related in any way to Nick Fuentes to disavow him and the movement. It's like, why? That is the only movement that's actually going to make some positive change in this country. Positive and permanent, hopefully. That's what they want to do. They want to just, you know, once they, they do take more of the GOP's um, you know, power away from them and instill that with America, uh, America first kind of traditionalism. You know, they want to make sure that that's maintained. They, they don't want America to deteriorate to the place that we're at now. No one would argue in the conservative movement that the country is in a good state. I've said this before to you. There's two things that conservatives really 
you know, kind of trip up against and, and kind of argue with themselves with. And it's really like herding cats. You know, talking to conservatives is like herding cats. It's almost impossible to do so, which is a good thing because that means we're a little bit more, you could say, quote unquote, individual. And we've thought, thought some things through and we're very, you know, it, we, we want to, to say that, you know, we're 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 following we're following ideologies that we want to follow, not just because other people say so, even if it might not be mainstream or whatnot. But in general, this is kind of what conservatives trip up with is how did we get here? Uh, what was, you know, like what was the, the path or journey to why we're in the place that we're at and what the solution is to the problem? Those are the two things that the GOP doesn't seem to be very concerned, you know, concerned with a lot of the time. Um, and uh, I, I would I would say that a large subsection of conservatives really are 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 looking for particularly the solution part of it when it almost seems like the GOP and a lot of conservative grifters like the idea of that and just to complain about it because number one it makes money number two uh, it it also seems like you're connecting with people because you're complaining about something well what's everyone the solution loves to complain right everyone loves complaining to complain. is what brings people together that's right Absolutely. And it gives you the illusion that somebody might be for you, that they actually might make the hard decisions that would actually cause change. This is why the GOP is, I would say, most political parties are not necessarily out there to solve a lot of problems. Because if you solve problems, then now you have, you know, nothing to hang over people's heads to get elected again. Because now the, the question, the, uh, the problem is now solved. But yeah, we've been mentioning a couple of phrases too. The red pill is one of them. How would you define define what the red pill is, really? So the red pill. It's like when you find out the truth about. Well, first, what's the, what's the movie referencing? Because we both saw that movie recently. Oh, The Matrix, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was the first time I had ever seen it, and I was like, um, is this a documentary? Is this a plan for how the world is supposed to be going? Because that's exactly what it seems like. And then there's, I'm learning now that there's people that think you're crazy if you think that the Matrix is a documentary. I'm like, "Mm." was it China that just came out with the technology to like have like mass farms of growing babies in little incubators so that people don't have to have kids anymore? Was that video that I showed you? That was straight out of it. Yeah, that's literally Matrix. Mm -hmm. So the red pill is uncovering the the uncomfortable truth the truth but the uncomfortable truth about things that mainstream or news or whoever is trying to make you believe for whatever reason um i don't know how else to go into it i mean i think that's that's pretty much the red pill yeah you're right no i it's it's a hard truth or it's a it's something that you're um not used to hearing and there there's a there's an apprehensive um kind of nature within yourself to kind of put a wall up and say whoa, whoa, whoa that can't be true wait this is kind of contrary to what, I, what i've been taught in school or you know my textbook said something similar or or whatnot and uh it, it you could say it's like a, a grain of knowledge and 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 when you ingest them you all of a sudden you start to live in the real world you you are based in reality you're you're looking through a different lens you see everything differently and then you you can't go back because once you've once you've taken it you're like okay well i I, it's uh my old self is now dead i am now renewed and I'm, i'm seeing things as they really are it's like how i felt when i watched the Zeitgeist documentary and learned things about 9 11 that i had never even fathomed before mm-hmm and I'm like, oh, this is a red pill. This is an unfortunate, uncomfortable truth. Something that I never, you would never want to think that like your government who's supposed to love you and protect you would ever, ever do you wrong, would ever lie to you, would ever intentionally hurt thousands, millions of its own people. But I mean, if we learn anything from history, that's exactly what they do. And And there might be, I could say, you know, motives that might not be as obvious as you think. 
you know, like well, the reason of why things happen the way they do, often you have to kind of connect the pieces and and put the puzzle pieces together because those aren't always so blatant. They're not always in your face. And for those out there who, you know, I mean, conspiracy is one thing, but I, I, I think even the word conspiracy is, is I don't know if it's is necessarily a good word. I would I just say... I think it makes people think that you're crazy. Automatically right. saying conspiracy leads somebody to believe that whatever you're about to say is bullshit and it's just make-believe and something... I don't even want to say something that Alex Jones said because at this point, everything that he said has come true. So... So many things. Absolutely. I'm not even going to compare him to a conspiracy theorist because he's not. He's just... Telling the future, basically. Right. It, you could say spoiler alert is a better <laughs> right. is a better phrase for that. But the the number one thing for me too is when it when it comes to information that um, might uh, you know mainstream news might not say is the extreme apprehension or excuse me the the, the extreme reservation about uh, having a light shined on them. If if a if a light is is you know exposing you know like the the whole uh, analogy of, of light and darkness and if they're that afraid of uh, a little light being shown on their organization or three letter three letter agency or what it is of course people are going to be like okay well that's really weird because the first the first thing that you can do in order to build trust is to be open yeah transparency is key I mean it, it just how could you expect people to trust you and believe what you're saying if there is zero transparency if you're not willing to be honest about things if you're trying to like tiptoe around different subjects that's right black pill is another word that we've used black pill is it could be i think it, my my definition would be if you're taking a black pill you ultimately believe that uh humanity is doomed there's no hope um you know, it, it's it's all well and good that you know this information, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make much of a difference. And we should just kind of, um, you know, bide our time, do what's best we can without um, trying to confront it or use this information that we have in a in a way that might reverse that. So it's kind of just when you're taking the black pill, you're like, you're just like, well, it's, just it's like over. doom and gloom. There right. is no hope. Just suck it up and die. And white pill, <laughs> white pill would be white pill is the complete opposite. It's just mm-hmm. like you know, this may happen, but there is hope at the end of this, and we can totally change this. I, I mean, I think that that's probably what a mm-hmm. white pill is. Or what? Uh, or sometimes, or, th- or it's like it's when you have a lot of hope. It's like when you yeah <laughs> watch a video of people saying Trump will never become president, and then you watch him completely take over and flip. Pennsylvania and it's just like the most white pilling like hopeful feeling in the world and I just can't wait for that to happen again you're seeing positive signs you're seeing uh it will even uh the idea of self-improvement uh you know I mean people can idolize self-improvement but the the way in which you're trying to put yourself in a position that's in resistance to you could say you know, different, either different, uh, you know, either big business or big pharma or education or the media or whatever industry that that you believe is contrary to that, which causes you to, you know, um, I guess you could say, quote unquote, establish a family and live a fulfilling life. That could also be white pilling too, self-improvement in general. I feel like um, some Christians and Catholics maybe those who are truly like really, really religious. Um, I think that maybe those also definitely tend to be more towards white pills because mm-hmm. they know that in the end, Jesus won- wins and we all go and be with him. I mean, right. those that are saved. So Christians in general default have, have the strong, yeah. uh, strong, strong white pill, which is good. And I think that's probably why a lot of them are so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then, you know, one of the I'll go over real quick because uh, we take some inspiration from a lot of people who, who we like to watch and we we, we want to make sure that uh, we're giving a proper perspective on where some of our views have come from. And, and, and I, you could also say uh, people who we admire. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Nick and the first America First movement. John Doyle is one that we connected with. And John Doyle is incredible. And I want 
everyone that has a son or a brother or a friend that is a guy, everyone needs to send them to his YouTube page, especially watch his dissertation on porn and his videos on why liberalism is satanic. Satanic and conservatism is... And conservatism is... I think it was just, you know, like... Not. I don't know if it was godly, the opposite of that. <laughs> right. uh, those those are those are excellent. John, you know, uh, John is a white pill. John for sure. is a white pill. Absolutely. I actually one of my friends called me up, and you know, because I would start, you know, before I, I left my previous state, I, I would say some certain things in my friend group that they'd be like, "Look at me like a double take," and uh, you know, they think that I was um, a little little off my rocker, I guess. And then that same friend reached out to me a couple of days ago. And he's like, hey, man, do you have any like and he used the term far right influencers or podcasts that I can listen to? And I was like, oh, I've got some things that oh, I can send you. I? Oh, do I? Absolutely. And uh, I, I, John Doyle was at the top of my list there and I sent it over to him. Uh, so John Doyle is one of those guys. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Schaefer. Uh, we really like. Um, his both of his shows slightly offensive and wait you are here. we didn't cover clown pill did we no we didn't that comes from elijah you're right i was actually going to tie that into elijah oh, elijah sorry. elijah used it. oh that's okay spoiler alert shocking not a i'm a woman not a conspiracy we right well that's the pink bo- pink pill that's <laughs> oh, yeah, another one too <laughs> well the pink pill is when women realize that we've been lied to by being told that we need to get into the workforce and that it's going to be better for us and we're going to be happy and fulfilled by a right. job as opposed to taking care of a family like Oh, uh, we naturally should be doing right, and and don't and they don't realize that they're just being taken advantage. Yeah, now the government can just tax two people, and then they can indoctrinate your children, and you get to spend less time at home. And right, I mean, it's truly just an outcome for misery. Nobody's but, really happy that does that. But the clown pill is the one where you've just kind of, you know, it's kind of the Joker pill. You just realize everything's just crazy and just make you know just just uh just try to live in it because you realize everything is just kind of it's like a combo of the red pill black pill and white pill because you're like everything is a nightmare but i don't even care because it's just all laughable at this point it's all just a joke you know so it it is temporarily it does help temporarily if it's if you really see uh kind of uh some crazy shit in the world and then you're just like oh my god this is just ridiculous you know and uh it does work temporarily but I don't think it's a good long-term philosophy on anything, but those are the basic pills. Um, and then you know, it, back to Elijah. You know, he has he has both of his shows slightly offensive, and uh, you are here with uh, Sydney, and we like Sydney generally. Uh, we 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 understand. She's an atheist. Yeah, she's she is an atheist, um, and but you know, I, and she hates the America first. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why she would if she is a conservative and she wants to kind of, I think deep down her values are similar. She just has a hard time articulating it and realizing that she agrees with a 23-year-old who's completely banned from everything in the country. Right. Can't fly, can't have a bank account, can't, I don't know, do anything. Had the IRS take $500,000 from him. Uh, I, I think that the, the, uh, the main thing too with Sydney is... Uh, you're right. Delivery matters. We were just talking about that before, you know, like how, you know, girls, a lot of the time they like half the, the reason they like a gift is if it's wrapped up in a particular way or given to them in a particular way. So um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that would be the the whole issue, but honestly, I I think that Sydney would be more, more of a classical liberal um, more so than a, conservative you could say and that's why she doesn't really like labels but i would say she's more of a classical liberal more of the libertarian bent type which i don't think i don't think that's has anything to do with conservatism but um and that's that's another thing that we're going to talk about a lot too is what we like to call and other people like to call conservative inc which is the entire conservative establishment you have everyone from right-wing media figures to um, you know, right, uh, you could say, um, you know, neocon politicians and that whole apparatus and how that how that's not a winning formula for change in the United States and it's and how we need to actually um, criticize it and not only criticize it but do what the left does a little bit and then play some gatekeeping. I honestly think gatekeeping is a smart idea because that's what they do. If someone steps out of line 
Um, you don't, you know, you, you don't increase your umbrella because if you increase your umbrella of everything that's acceptable or not acceptable, then you'll be having Caitlyn Jenner right. as a co-anchor. And you'll or move the Overton is. window so far. Then uh, I actually asked somebody recently in a conversation uh, a couple of days ago, and I asked him, you know, what what was the difference between a liberal ten years ago and a conservative now? There's really not that much. What tax policy, Medicare, Social Security policy? There's not too much of a difference. So that is a, another thing that the America First movement is concerned about. Is, is going after core issues that cause that Overton window to move. And, and, uh, some of the, and some of those solutions and some of those issues might cause people to wince a little bit. Like stopping immigration, even legal immigration for right. like the next 10 like years? Like suspending, sus- suspending immigration outright entirely really would make your average conservative wince. <laughs> be like, wait, what? But you wanna, it's what you wanna, we need. We need, you know, we need legal immigration. We don't need illegal immigration. How about as no if, immigration? As, as if it matters if, you know, Consuela comes over and has five or six kids legally and they all vote Democrat. What's the, what is the difference there if they hopped over the border? You know, and, and that's that's one of the, the core tenets of America First is is we are a nation that was founded by Western Europeans. So when, whenever anybody says, hey, we need to uh, preserve Western civilization, you could say you're those of European descent that built the country. There's a huge disconnect, particularly, particularly with conservatives. But you know, the left actually understands this unironically, but they don't say it outright, that where culture comes from. You know, where ultimately do values and culture come from? They don't drop out of the sky. They came from those in our country of European descent. That's why America is what it is. And that's why it's, you know, that's why preserving those values does have to do with how the country looks. It is, it does come from the people. And that's a really uncomfortable thing that no conservative right now would ever say. I love that, like, how do I say this? Um, people of color say that America has no culture as if they are the only ones that were ever bringing culture here and they invented it. I'm sorry. What, what is their culture doing to benefit anything in society? If anything, it is completely degenerating our society. I mean, I was definitely a victim of it for a long time. My favorite music was hip hop and rap and I was a complete degenerate. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren, you have to understand how much you know good food they bring in the street festival and how beautiful the the garbs Hard and dances pass. are i don't like any of it isn't that worth you know making sure that our country looks more like south africa and brazil cuz clearly if it's you know, so that's great over there why don't they stay there I, that's that is the question that many have asked is shouldn't they, they not send their best and brightest shouldn't their best and brightest stay there and make their country the best and brightest like why why does everyone have to come here that's right and oh, because of our policies and because everything's so great. Well, those are being completely demolished. I think I think that's the other thing too. Is, is we're turning have, into a third world country. Yeah, we have we have we have groups of cultures, and and the fact that we're turning into maybe not necessarily a third world country, but more like a dystopian, uh, oligarchical, um, you know, society that's driven by kind of like a a, a technological uh, authoritarian. Um, you know, I, there's tons of other adjectives that I could be used, but you get the general idea. But when you have that tor- sort of society and you have nothing ultimately uniting the people, the only thing that unites them really is the United States dollar, which is not enough to keep a, a nation who wants to preserve its values. It's, it's not deteriorating enough. rapidly. And we've seen that acceleration in the last, I would say, 60 years right after World War II with the Hart Seller Act, the Immigration Act of 1965, or was it 1964? I think it was 65. And we've seen that happen at an accelerated rate. And, and, and we, honestly, we honestly abandoned a lot of our, our other immigration laws before then, which specifically stated it should have been those of Western European descent. And even it was even more specific than than having the Irish or, or the Italians come here or whatnot. They even they didn't even think that they were 
white. They didn't think the, the Irish or the Italians were white. So it was a very specific ideology uh, because a lot of the ideologies from whence, uh, whence our you know, constitution was written come from philosophers of those areas, from, come from political philosophers of those areas. So we can see that happening if you take away the people that made that happen. You're going to get a different philosophy. If you import Somalia, you're going to get Somalia. But anyway, uh, you know, we can absolutely rant about tons. I of was topics. just about to bring up another topic, but I think that <laughs> for the for the first episode, we just kind of wanted to keep this a little brief in, in terms of who we are and and, and why we're doing this. And brief uh, is a little bit hard for us. Maybe yes. a little bit harder for. You than me. Yeah, you need but, to um, you need to give me some more looks sometimes of like no, okay, I love it. Okay, those rants, yeah, because I could keep going and rants and rants and ranting. But that's uh, that's that's another reason why we're doing this too, because it's just sometimes it feels great to rant, and we're excited to do that more. But anyway, thanks for listening to the first episode. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, um, if you're still with us, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in. Uh, again for the next episode we plan to do this at least once a week uh, usually Saturday either up late at Saturday or maybe Sunday afternoon we don't really have a hard schedule for that but the goal is at least once a week uh, so you guys can look forward to that but thanks again for uh, checking in at Based in Reality with Patrick and Lauren and we're signing off now <laughs>